You're listening to Raceru Radio, where fitness and racing are combined. Each week, you'll hear us bring you a fitness tip to help you with your fitness journey, as well as covering the latest current event news, covering NASCAR, Formula One, and sprint cars. We always have lots to talk about, so buckle up and take another lap with us. Thanks for listening, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you can find our multiple updates every week at Raceru Racing, and you can find our fitness updates at Raceru Fitness. Enjoy the podcast with Ryan and Jordan. Here we go. Hey everyone, it's Racer Roo Fitness again, and we're finally back together, Jordan and Ryan. Uh, I think all of our vacations are done for now. How about you, Jordan? Are you got any vacations coming up? Because I think that uh, we just kind of all just spurred them all out there across July and August. Um, actually, I do. Um, coming up my birthday weekend, we're going to Ocean City, Maryland. Nice. Um, and then in October, we're camping two times for Halloween, so... Uh, yeah, still got a couple coming up, and I guess December I have a full week for uh, chasing Bambi, so, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mine's kind of like near the end. So uh, the Halloween, it's the two weekends before Halloween, you guys are camping, right? Yes. Yeah, because we're going to Ocean City the weekend before Halloween, so uh, I was kind of hoping everyone could meet up there, but uh, I think you guys are going to be elsewhere, so. But anyway, um, how was Myrtle Beach? Uh, I, I said uh, last week how Alaska was. Let's hear about Myrtle Beach. Uh, well, Myrtle Beach was great. It was very hot. We had uh, heat indexes over 100 pretty much every day. But you got the nice ocean breeze, so that wasn't bad. Um, we had one thunderstorm, but it was overnight, so it didn't really impede anything. Um, we had a lot of thunderstorms go by, um, but we tried fishing um and the saltwater curse happened um we we caught a crab i mean we were actually catching crabs by hand on the beach at night um and then we caught a couple little like mini fish um with little nets in the surf um but someone beside us they caught a spade fish in a crab net which was pretty cool um never seen one of those in person and kind of was looking it up and i'm pretty sure a spade fish is a tropical fish so to see one of them in myrtle beach uh, is kind of odd but um it was uh pretty cool to look at um and obviously we released it because i don't know specifications on spade fish and whether you can keep them or not mm-hmm. um but they just had a crabbing license so and we weren't going to keep a spade fish because i wouldn't know what to do with it to start off right with. but uh other than that i mean it was it was great we got to you know obviously go out to eat we went to crab catchers you know crab catchers is nice put down some crab legs we tried some new restaurants but all in all just had a blast just waking up and going out and sitting on the the balcony and just looking at the beach uh we saw dolphins at 1.2 so that was that was cool um Mm. but uh yeah it was a it was a fun myrtle beach trip um can't wait to go back we're planning a trip in may with a couple people so we'll see how that goes too did you do pirates voyage we did not we saw 355 signs on the way down um and i kept saying you know for some reason i feel like we should do this pirate voyage um because literally there's billboards upon billboards upon billboards yeah Yeah. all the way down and 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 it's it's on all the key cards and the the parking things yeah it's so have you ever done pirates voyage I have not. I keep saying oh. something about it when we're down there, but 
So even it, that, you know, to... I, I really wish that, uh, you know, we had an endorsement from, cause I love that show. We've done it so many times. Um, in Myrtle beach only, cause they have another location in Tennessee, which we've gone to see them up there once, but it's only at the Myrtle beach location in November and December. They have a Christmas show. Oh. So we've always talked about going there. So we're really, I really, really hoping to go down there and do that this year. So, um, but anyway, yeah, that, that's one of those you got to do. It's a really fun, even though like the story is the same all the time, the food is good. It's just a fun thing to do. So, uh, you guys have to put that on your radar for next time. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if anybody in, in my family is really a pirates person. So that's probably why, but I do keep mentioning it. No, not beside you. I'm saying beside you. <laughs> no, um, I'm saying like my, uh, my wife's side when we go down. Yeah, I got um, you. I got you. I got you. Cause I do mention it, but I don't know. If, I don't know. It looks cool. And we talk about, they do it, have mermaids though. And Miranda likes mermaids. Yes, that is true. So there she you is go. a mermaid. She is a mermaid. She doesn't just like mermaids. She is yeah. a mermaid. <laughs> All right. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's getting back into school time, kids. Well, actually, my daughter starts tomorrow. Uh, my son starts next week in the preschool. So, it's already um, school time up here. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's really weird. We start late. That's really weird. Um, but anyway, so we're going to get into things. So, just a reminder. Uh, if you're looking for some fitness tips, advice, workouts, whatever you need, uh, Race Roo Radio, Race Roo Fitness is here to fulfill all those needs. Um, we've talked about it a hundred times here, so we're just going to breeze through this because we've got a lot to get to today. Uh, but if you're interested, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, racerufitness.com, and we'll get into it with this week's fit tip. So Jordan, I'm not sure if you listened to last week. Um, I knew you were just getting back from, from Myrtle and everything going on with PAP. I, so I didn't trouble you with uh, trying to get hooked up last week. Oh, yeah, I was... Wait, hold on, wondering. we gotta find a sword. It's in the dino farm. My, uh, Jordan, uh, you're gonna love this. Zach uh, loves Power Rangers, and so I just got him a toy the other day that is a foam sword, and he just, oh, yeah. he'll just Power Rangers with you all day long. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why I didn't uh, trouble you last week, but then getting into it, uh, did you listen to that one? I did. I did. So so you listened to all the reasons why working out with a partner in a group is good. Yes. So we're going to we're going to switch it over. I put it in dino car last night. Hang on, Jordan. OK, we, we found it. So sorry about that. Um, so we're going to get into this week, the opposite, the reasons why working out in a uh, in a group or with a buddy can be bad so a lot of this kind of just is going to go into the lines of creating a dependency on somebody else which um you know can go for more than just working out but um one of the most obvious things i'd say is uh if you work out with a partner all the time or in a group all the time well if that person is going to miss that day and you've created a dependency on that person then there's a good chance you're just going to miss your workouts that day because they're not going to go. You're not going to go. Let's see, Zach's going to miss it. <laughs> see? See? Can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear it. I, I just see you holding up your arm, though. I can't see what's happening. It's, this is the bat. So oh. he's, got, he's got the sword. Oh, and you got the bat. <laughs> All right. Go. So if if you uh, create a dependency on a partner, 
if that person decides they're not going to go, um, then you may end up just deciding, ah, well, it's not worth it today. I'm not going to go with that person. And so, uh, you know, when you always work out with a group like that, um, you know, you go for a run with a, with a group or with a buddy and it's like, hey, they're sick or whatever. It can kind of put a pause onto your fitness, which isn't necessarily the worst thing. Missing a day or two is fine. Um, we talk about that all the time. But when that person quits going all together, you'll see this really big time here in a few months with the new year, new me crew. You know, hey, I'm going to go with my partner, my buddy, whatever. We start in January. Well, when one falls off, you'll see the other one fall off. So creating that dependency on the other person being there, on the other group being there um, for a class that the class, you know, the instructor changes and they stop doing the class, whatever. It can create that dependency that when it's gone, you go with it. So being able, learning how to work out by yourself becomes really important because even when the thing you're working out with, the person you're working out with, the group work you're working out with, when that goes away or it's not there for a day or a week or a month, you know, it, you can continue. I like that. It's a good cup. <laughs> Oops. You can continue your workout. His cup said best son ever. You can continue your fitness plan by yourself. So, you know, everything we said last week about it being good. Well, if it's going to detract you from being able to do it, this is where we want to at least learn how to work out on our own or be able to work out by ourselves because we don't create that dependency on that other person to be there. So um, this also can go the other way. If you are the dependent, the person is dependent on you, you know, if you have to go away, your partner can stay in the game, which is going to make you better off when you guys get hooked back up together. <clears throat> Another reason why is if you're working out with a buddy all the time or in a group all the time, it can kind of hold you back. So what I mean by that is let's go with group fitness to start. If you're working out in a group, let's say body pump, well, you kind of can get mixed in with the rest of the group. And maybe you're getting to the point where you're kind of outgrowing that group. You can get a little stronger, but you go with the flow of the group. And it's going to kind of hold you back from progressing. Or you're always going into that same group and you're not experiencing any other kind of fitness that's going to get you a little stronger, or a little bit more mobile, whatever the case might be. It can kind of hold you back a little bit um, and prevent you from really seeing the gains that you're looking for. <laughs> now, if it's just with an individual, let's say, you know, you're working out as me and Jordan working out. Well, when we go to do bench press, if I just always do the bench press that Jordan does, it may help or hurt me. You know, Jordan might be way, way, way stronger on the bench press than I am. And I'm trying to push what he's pushing and I'm doing really, really crappy moves, not being able to complete the move correctly. And along with that, if he if he's stronger than me and he's doing the weights I'm doing, he's not going to get as strong as he could. So uh, you see that a lot with some people in the gym, like they just do what the buddy does. And so one of them is being held back. Because they could be getting stronger, they could be pushing more weight, and the other one might be trying to move the same amount of weight and is actually hurting the performance of their movement. So that's another reason why it's good to be able to have your own sense of person 
you know, even when you're working out in a group, but to be able to do it on your on your own is really going to help you out in that regard. So, um, yeah. in the spirit of in the spirit of what I'm doing, go ahead, Jordan. I see you want to say something. Well, I was going to say pretty much from uh, from listening to your episode last week to listening to this one, it's kind of pretty much everything the opposite of what you said last week. Yep. Everything that benefits you can also be a nuisance. So, where it's good, it could also be bad. So, like where they could push you to help you get stronger, you could also hold them back or vice versa. So it's it's kind of a we don't want to we don't want to sound like we're saying the same thing just the opposite way but we kind of are but it's to bring it to your attention bring awareness well, to it yeah and to be honest with you it 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 does kind of sound contradictory but that's the point in because it can kind of come down to an individual you know variance here some people may work out really really good by themselves and some people may really really struggle and where somebody might you know, if if me and Jordan are working out together, like let's say we're running and I'm really, really a lot faster than Jordan and I'm able to, you know, run a 5K way faster. Well, if he's trying to push to keep up with me and it's discouraging to him that he can't keep up with me, it can kind of really turn him off of that kind of fitness. So, but some people, it might just push him to be better. Yeah, I ain't running anywhere. <laughs> I can tell you that I'm not running, but if you put me on a beach, I'll walk for miles. But yeah, oh come on, running, man. You, you can you can train Iron Man with me. Yeah, nope, not doing that. See, <laughs> I saw your I saw your post yesterday of all the stuff you did, and I was like, yeah, I ain't all about that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not running. But yeah, I mean, it's I think it's kind of got to be an ebb and flow with your partner if you are working with someone, um, because you might do stuff out of your comfort zone that's better for the other person but that is actually kind of the goal to help you guys like improve together is you step out of your comfort zone for one person and then the other person but you do it as like a unit so you both agree to it you know you're going to struggle but the point is to not get discouraged it's you know to take another step in a direction of fitness that you might not be actually doing where i might be doing all lifting and stuff like that and you're doing a bunch of cardio well i don't do mm -hmm. a whole bunch of cardio so if i do a, a run with you it's like you know sure i might be dragging but it you got to start somewhere you can't just expect you to be able to run five miles it's just not going to happen that yeah. way so it, it's that's the advantage of having a partner but as long as you guys work on the same level of agreement to i'm not going to be great at it but Hey, if you're going to help me push through it and not, you know, I'm not going to hold you back, you know, that's, that's where the agreement has to come between both of you. Yeah. And really the basic, like the whole thing that this all comes down to is when you're working out with a group or in, in a partnership, um, it's somebody, if, especially if you're doing the same weights, the same pace, whatever it is that you're doing, somebody's not meeting their full potential. Um, so, and that's really what it boils down to. When you're in a group setting, you could really be not maximizing your fitness or you could be overdoing your fitness. The The thing you got to understand is that it doesn't matter what kind of fitness it is. If it's me and Jordan and some other people, somebody's going to have strengths and weaknesses where others do not. And so if you're all doing the same thing, somebody's doing a workout that is not beneficial to 
the a their goals or b their body so you know especially if, you know if i'm working out with jordan well jordan my goal is to you know train for this half ironman i'm doing jordan's goal may be to you know get not jacked up <laughs> yeah so if we're doing the same workout we're not really we're not helping one of us other. at least is not maximizing to the goals we're looking for and so this is where you know working out in a group it can be great and it can push you but at the same time if you have certain goals that you're going to it's it's kind of better to have an ability to be able to work out on your own or at least do your own thing in a group that's what it really boils down to in this. And so is group setting great? Yes, especially for some people. They need that. They need that community. They need whatever it is that, that that's going to bring. They need that person to hold them accountable. And some people, man, you need to kind of be able to do things on your own just a little bit to be able to thrive when everything else goes away. Does that make sense? Yeah. All yeah. right. I think I think the main point I think you're trying to make is – if you're going to work out with a group, I think maybe your goals for the group should be almost identical to get the same kind of result. You know what I mean? In, yeah. Um, like if you're doing an Ironman training, training for someone who's trying to bulk up is completely different. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So maybe if you could find a group that's doing identical kind of works to you and, and I get it, you, you know, if you're not, too much of a social person you might not like that you might just want to work yeah. with your friend but again that's that's something that you know you understand going into it but if you're someone who's looking to do Ironman training like Ryan is and I'm not us working out together is going to hold someone back of what our goals are so right that's just kind of a, a idea of you know uh, it's probably a better idea to work out with someone like that like that's on the same goals as you so my advice to this is to to mix them both, especially like if you if you have really solid goals. Hey, I might like working out and I might like like might like lifting with Jordan, and that's fun and that's get, gives me uh, a lot of satisfaction to be able to lift. But as far as the goals that I'm pursuing, it's okay to get into a group to go for a group run or to a group group ride or something, especially surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you with that. So I think using both for, you know, to, to kind of meet that goal of where you're trying to progress your fitness, but also trying to, if, you know, social goals and things like that, how, utilize both to your advantage of not just what you're trying to accomplish physically, but what you're trying to accomplish socially and mentally, utilizing all the tools is really going to be the best way to do that. If you're only working out on your own, you're not really having somebody there to hold you accountable the way that you need to, to push you the way that you need to. And if you're only working out in a group, you're really not maximizing your ability to be an individual in your fitness. So I think it's just like anything else we talk about. Utilizing all the tools in the best way, shape, or form for what you're trying to do, it's really going to be the best way. Yeah, 100%. So uh, that is our fit tip of the week. Basically, work out with people and then don't work out with people. <laughs> do your own thing yeah. and then sometimes work out in a group. <clears throat> um, so uh, you're watching, we're watching this F1 race today in Zandvoort. It's been pretty crazy. Uh, red flag for rain. So I keep seeing Jordan's eyes get go weird. Um, 
they're about to go back to green. But uh, Jordan, I want to turn it over to you now for the first time in several weeks. I know you probably got a lot of news. Let's hear some Dirty Talk with Jordan. And now it's time for Dirty Talk with Jordan, the part of the show where Jordan comes out and talks a little dirty. So without further ado, Dirty Talk with Jordan. All right, guys. So first off, I want to start this off with a sad note and a moment of silence. Um, Ashley Albertson, um, she drove for Tony Stewart Racing. Um, she was killed in a possible, haven't heard much more about it, but a possible road rage incident. Um, so her life was taken far too soon. So I want to have a moment of silence for her. Thank you, everyone. Um, so we're going to go back a couple weeks. Um, this was prior to me leaving for Myrtle, but we weren't able to obviously get together with the vacations going on. So, uh, Knoxville nationals, they happened the biggest race of the year. Um, and we're going to kind of zip through these real quick. So, uh, prelim night one, Donnie shots took home the victory. Um, prelim night two, Carson Macedo took home the win in that one. And then I don't want to call it prelim night three because it's not. It's actually called Hard Knocks. It's your last chance to make the feature um, based off a point system that they use. And uh, Aaron Reitzel, he ended up winning the Hard Knocks version um, the Friday night. So if you're on Friday night and you're in the Hard Knocks, even though you're in an A feature and you're making the A feature, um, normally on a normal show, if you come from the B main, you would start 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. However, with hard knocks, if you're the top four in that, you guys are the one that fill 21, 22, 23, 24. And then the guys from the B main that day will actually have more points than you. So they will start uh, higher than you will. Um, so with that being said, it was a flag to flag race with Kyle Larson starting on the pole and Kyle Larson leading every lap all 50 of them to take home his second knoxville nationals there was a video that was kind of funny where his son actually picked uh donnie shots um to win and <laughs> kyle was like well if you would have picked me you would have won um but yeah it was a uh, flag to flag uh gotta give credit to david gravel who he had to come uh through the soup he had to run the b main on saturday he managed to come – actually, he didn't run the soup because he did hard knocks. So he started 22nd on Saturday, and he finished second um, on on Saturday in the A feature. So um, he was obviously the hard charger, huge run from 22nd to second. Um, but he wasn't able to get it done. He was closing on Kyle Larson in the closing laps, but just wasn't – didn't have enough time to get there. So – we're going to kind of jump all around here because we got a lot of different dates. So I'm going to finish with the world of outlaws. So after the Knoxville nationals, they went to uh, Jackson motorplex and they run three nights there. And we had um, um, James McFadden. He won back-to-back -back prelim nights there, but he wasn't able to get the fourth night, which was brought to you by Carson Macedo who picks up another win. He wins the Jackson Motorplex Big Show on Saturday night. Um, let's see. Got to see if they're further down in my notes. Nope. That's all from what was going on for the Outlaws, except for this past weekend. I saw the Friday night feature, and Logan Schuhart picked up the win at River City. Um, I did not see 
where they are uh, not where the, I know where they ran. They ran in North Dakota again, um, but I did not see who won last night. So uh, they, as they were obviously in North Dakota, it was pretty late. So I have not seen an update on that yet. Um, but we'll jump to all-star circuit of champions. And we have big news. Tyler Courtney is back. He is back in the seven BC. We did not think he was going to be back the rest of the season. That means Anthony Macri is out. Where is Anthony Macri? No one seems to know. Um, he hasn't been in a, a car since uh, the seven BC was filled back by Tyler Courtney. So we'll go to the all-star circuit of champions now. And who knew it? August 18th. Tyler Courtney returns. Tyler Courtney goes to victory lane in his first night back. Um, so the 7BC was definitely fast. Um, they're in owner's points championship mode right now, so that's what they're going for. Um, then the second night, it was August 19th, Danny Varane wins his first All-Star Circuit champion uh, race. Um, so that was big news for him. Um, he had a, I think it was a hard charging Zeb Wise, but he managed to hold off for the first win. Then speaking of Zeb Wise, um, they raised Ceilings Grove on August 20th and Zeb Wise picked up the win at Ceilings Grove Speedway in Pennsylvania. Um, Brett Marks came home with a second place finish there, but pretty much all you need to know with Lincoln Speedway in the weeks that I haven't been here is. Freddie Raymer and Freddie Raymer and Freddie Raymer because, uh, well, Freddie Raymer got his, um, I think he went, won four in a row and then he won five in a row. Um, so that's just Freddie Raymer doing Freddie Raymer things at Lincoln. But last night he wasn't able to come home with the win. He got second as Chase Dietz picked up the Kramer Clash win last night. So that was cool. Uh, somebody else finally uh, knocked uh, Freddie Raymer off. <laughs> Um, Friday night at the Grove, we haven't had a lot of Williams Grove races because rain and other things have held it off. Um, there was a night where they had four features. Um, they were all makeup features. I know Danny Dietrich won one. Um, I know Brent Marks won one. There was a lot of different winners that night. Um, but we'll go to uh, last weekend at Port Royal. They were doing the Living Legends Dream and the Greg Hodnett race. And Devin Borden picked up the first win. And then Brett Marks picked up the second win. So there was uh, twin 25 features. Um, they inverted, I believe, eight. You were allowed to do, like, to the car, you could make any adjustments. You just couldn't change the tire. But if you did, you had to go to the rear. And after Devin Borden won, he was supposed to start eighth. Ended up changing both rear tires, went to the, the rear of the field. Um, so that's pretty much been the basis of where we're at now. Um, silly season also continued with Jacob Allen stepping out of the one car. Um, and Tanner Holmes is now in the one a car while it's the one T, um, rumor has it is that Jacob Allen wants to run a true outlaw schedule and his father, Bobby Allen does not want to do that. Wants to run the full outlaw circuit. So Rumor has it that Jacob Allen is taking the rest of the season off and Tanner Holmes is now running the one C car for the rest of the year for owners points. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, silly season is still in full swing. A lot of drivers are making a lot of switches. Um, the one thing that I, I don't have on my notes and I'm trying to remember who won it, um, but the high limit race did happen 
um, at Houston's. And I can't really remember who brought home the win on that one. Um, it's been a couple weeks now, so um, I forgot to take notes on that one. But um, it was at Houston's. I want to say it was probably Rico because I think that's who it was, but I'm not 100% sure. So I have that update for you guys. Um, the other big news is uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is coming up to Lernerville, Pennsylvania for the high limit series uh, for Kyle Larson and Brad uh, Sweet. It's a 50,000 to win show. Uh, rumor has it there's a possibility that uh, Dale Jr. might get in a 410 nice. um, to, do, to do a couple practice laps. So That doesn't we'll, sound like uh, something he would do. <laughs> no, it, it does not. But apparently the agreement was between him and Kyle Larson that if Larson came and ran one of their cars towards race, that Jr. would come to one of their high limit races. And they picked the big show that's left, and that's Lernerville. So, like, uh, I think Junior said he might go out there and turn some laps, um, kind of do what Kyle Larson wants him to do. It might even be a two-seater. So there might be a two-seater there. Maybe Kyle Larson will drive it. Junior will be in it. Um, I'm interesting to see if he does get in one, uh, what his reaction will be to that, because he's never been yeah. in something like that. So <laughs> that'll be pretty. That'll be pretty unique. Um, but other than that, um, I wanted to give an update for last night. There was um, there's a couple things going on in the sprint car world. So one of the big things right now is there's a huge tire controversy. Hoosier has released a new tire for this year. A lot of the drivers have been on it. And apparently this tire, people can't figure out the grip level for it. It apparently has too much grip and it builds up too much heat. It's blowing. It's causing a lot of big wrecks. There was a lot of big wrecks at Knoxville. Um, there was a big wreck last night at Lincoln and it caused Matt Campbell to end his season early as he now has a broken ankle. So um, there's a lot of people saying that the tire's too fast. Um, it's causing too high speed of an incident. Um, there's a lot of stuff going in and out of it right now. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. I know there's conversations about the uh, the tire and what adjustments they can be made to it. But it kind of reverts to like NASCAR with Goodyear. You know, they either make a good tire and it works out or you have some issues with it. So uh, we'll see how that goes in the next couple months for the end of the year and what uh, changes they make for next year. Got it. That was a whole lot to catch up on. Yeah, we had a lot. Of, we had a lot of dirty what, talk. That's what happens <laughs> when we when we're on vacations for weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> All right. So let's get back into uh, so F1. They're. Uh, in Zanfort right now. So um, they're not done yet. So we can talk about them next week. They've been off for basically a month. Um, so Jordan, we're going to get into a little bit of Watkins Glen real quick. So I don't feel like there was a ton to talk about, about Watkins Glen. Um, the, the road courses over the last couple of weeks were fine, I guess. I, I think people were unimpressed with Watkins Glen. I thought that there was a decent amount of racing, uh, Decent amount of side-by-side. Still more side-by-side than you see in F1, I feel like. Um, even though there was only one caution in each. Uh, now, how do you feel about the stage break deal at the road courses now that we've gone through two races in a row with only one caution, especially with Indy being right at the beginning of the race? I think it I need, think it needs to stay that way. I don't, I don't see the point of doing the stage breaks. Now, maybe like a couple of adjustments like people were saying – make the stages longer than a fuel run. So that way you have to add a little bit more strategy element into mm -hmm. it. But yeah, I, I like the way, I mean, it kind of felt like an old fashioned race to me where it was like, 
you know, you take the green flag and if you have natural cautions, you have them. And if you don't, you don't. And the race plays out and usually the fastest cars rise to the top. And, you know, even if they have like Michael McDowell, Watkins Glen, he had, you know, pit road, issues, car. but he managed to come back through the field twice. So mm -hmm. the, you can pass. Um, it's very difficult to pass, but you can pass. But if there were stage breaks, he would not have been able to do that. There's no way I could see that because restarting the field, everybody just ends up being on too even a tires and too even speed to be able to do that. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, I feel like this putting in stage cautions, unless you're going to do like a basically like, hey, throw it out there for a lap and a half, just enough to like basically almost a virtual safety car kind of deal. It just kind of it doesn't promote great strategy and it creates a lot more storylines when you don't have the stage breaks for caution. Now you still have a little bit of strategy in there, but like you said, if you make the stage a little bit more than a fuel run, um, it's, it's going to throw more strategy into play. Do you say I can get your points or do you, uh, do you not? So I, I think that we do need to adjust that a little bit. I'd be just okay with doing one stage at the road courses, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like, the road courses end up being not long enough that, you know, it's, yeah. there's certain racetracks that we have right now. Like the Coke 600 doesn't need four stages, leave it as three. Um, but road courses, just because of the nature of them, they're usually shorter mileage races. Having that, having two stages in there, it just makes it very, very throws strategy out the window in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I like the way it is. I say don't touch it, but um, I I don't know if you heard me last week. I'm okay with bringing the oval back in uh, in Indy. I think yeah. the, the roval is just fine in in Charlotte, and we can uh, we can continue on like this. I mean, what's it gonna hurt? Correct, correct. I mean, I don't you think know? it hurts the product. I don't. I definitely don't think no. it hurts the product. I think it helps the product to not have yeah. stage caution. So, um, now I think there's basically what it comes down to is the car and the racing on there. Uh, how how we can make that better because man these things are glued to the track they take the they you know heard this on dbc this week they take that bus stop it it almost looks like they take it flat out so almost. it used they used to be an obstacle so yeah. the cars that they're just so so hooked up and into the track man it's and that's where it gets tough to be able to pass you know yeah. so i I think the other storyline from Watkins Glen this week that was a major one was, I mean, obviously Chase Elliott. I don't think that made a huge difference in anything. He he wasn't going to get enough points to have a shot at Bubba. I feel like the way that the race was going to go, so it was going to come down to uh, to must win situation last night anyway. So um, yeah, I don't feel like that made a it, huge difference. I don't I don't think it did either. I think it was just the fact that. You see this team making very human mistakes yeah. when they don't seem to be doing. I mean, like that kind of seems like an obvious thing that shouldn't have happened, but somehow yeah. did. That's one of those deals where it's like when you're in a championship year, things just fall your way all the time. And they're having a year where it's just the opposite of that. Like things just yeah. don't fall the way that 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 they should for them or in an easy way for them. Um, you look at Kyle Larson a few years ago. You know, you you did have the moments like Pocono, but you had a whole lot of moments where it's like things just fall your the way that you need them to a lot. Um, obviously, they're good, but then, you know, on top of that, things 
go your way and it just makes everything a lot easier. And I don't feel like Chase had that year at all this year. Um, even, even I'm thinking Kyle Larson, their other car, well, the car, one of the cars that they actually do have in the chase, it's just not, it's just not been a championship style year for them either. So, um, I think Hendrick's best shot right now is with, it lies with William Byron, but, yeah, uh, but we can get I more think, into that in a little bit. I, th- I think what we also have to remember is, I mean, obviously there was the injuries which kept him yeah. and Alex Bowman out, but I think the main thing that's really done this is the penalties the because penalties. up until the penalties, Alex Bowman was leading the actual point standings altogether. And after the penalty that hit, that's what killed them. And then after yeah. he had the penalty, then he was injured, at least Alex yep. Bowman. Yep. And he was fighting a losing battle from, you know, there on. Same thing with Chase. They got the points penalty when he was already out, but he was still fighting the losing battle. I'm pretty sure they still hit the nine car with a penalty eventually anyway. Um, but even still, like, they points-wise, they were fighting an uphill battle from the start with those points. Yeah. So without a win... I mean, it was almost must win after they got the penalties. Well, I thought they got their points back. No. Yeah. No, they, I thought that they, they, no, oh, well, they got they, the, they got the fines they, reduced. That's what it was. Well, they, they got their, yeah. when they did the appeal, they got their points back. But then yeah. it was like two weeks after that NASCAR inspected their cars. They, they hit him again. They hit him again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so they still did get their points. Um, you know, but it, it after those points were taken, it's I mean, I think Bowman's was like 60 points in that. So yeah. it was just a huge point. Hit. Yeah. So um, the other big talking point with uh, Watkins Glen apparently was the idea of making it a chase race, moving it into the chase. And uh, now the fear is of the camping and it being in school time and not having this much camping. I think you got to leave Watkins Glen where it's at. Um, yeah. I'm I don't I, I think there's races I could pull out of the chase that I would put Watkins Glen in, but I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think you've got your road course in there with the Roval. I think the Roval should stay, to be honest with you. So I, I don't see the need of adding Watkins Glen. I think Watkins Glen's a good product. It's uh it wasn't the most entertaining, I guess, this year, but uh I don't think that had as much to do with the car or the track as much as it does with the car and the tire and everything. So I think you can fix that. Um, but I don't think moving it into the chase is going to make it any better. I, I don't think you need that, especially um, if the fans don't like it, even if it's good racing, if the fans don't find it as an entertaining race, you don't need it in the chase. So I say, now, leave it. It's not broken. Don't try to fix it. Now, let me ask you a stupid question. Cause I don't know if I really know this for clarification because stuff's been changed around. Are they running pretty much the same identical package on i mean i know they have a short track package and a road course package Mm -hmm. in in you know a mile and a half but are they are they very similar or are there extreme differences and the only reason why i'm saying this is because this is kind of like the idea i'm going with so like the mile and a half package they knocked it mm -hmm. down and it was like what it was a 550 package something like that i mean now they're all running the same horsepower anyway yeah it's 650 right but couldn't you take like on your short tracks and road courses? Couldn't you keep the 650 for mile and a half? Because we know that works. The package mm-hmm. we have. Couldn't we increase the horsepower on road courses and short tracks? Make them a similar like do like a 900 horsepower 
on yeah. just road courses and short tracks? So the idea behind that was to do a one engine package, which we've talked about on here. If you're going to have one package, it's going to, it's going to take some races that end up being, you know, being really good races. And then you have some that are bad. It's just not one package does not work on everything. So, you know, we've seen that in the past so many times where, you know, the mile and a half stuff's good or, you know, the super speedway stuff's good, but then Martinsville was just God awful. And then you saw where this, all the short tracks were really good and the mile and a half were terrible. So the more you try to do one package, you're going to see races where it's just, man, this just does not complement this racetrack. Um, right. And unfortunately, I think the the benefit of this car is the mile and a half package seems to be okay. The problem is that people, uh, you know, we do have the majority, we have a lot of mile and a half stuff, intermediate stuff. So you would think that most of the races would be better, but people love the short track stuff. And so you want your short tracks to be really good because that's what people really, really like. Um, now, I, I listening to Denny Hamlin for all the things that I'm not a big fan of his, he says that the engine bill hadn't changed much. So I, I, if if that means running two engines... I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, it's, it's more R and D and testing that goes in, but to me, it's you're doing that anyway. You just got to yeah. put. You have to prioritize what you're working on more often. So, yeah. and you know, I think that that's when you get some people that hit it and some people that don't. So, I don't see a big problem with that. Um, I'm sure there's things behind the scenes that I don't see, but yeah, I I would be a fan of having an engine package that works for the intermediates and an engine package that works for the uh for the short tracks so i mean and being flexible about which one you use for which it's i mean it's got to be like that and the only reason why i say that is because like i mean we in reality of it we have to think about this even back in the day you didn't show up at the track with the same car right. i mean if you were doing a bigger track you had a track our car designed for that track if you were doing yeah. a smaller one and it's always been that way. And to, to think we're going to knock down spending, which we never do, even though we're like, oh, it's going to be less money. It never is. Mm -mm. It's always take this money and put it somewhere else. So we're still spending the same. Yep. Um, I, I don't understand why we can't help, you know, well, have one that's... specifically for road courses, short tracks and intermediates. I mean, even growing up through NASCAR games, like you would always have an intermediate short track. And, yeah and road course cars so why should now be any different yeah i i agree um i guess the my point counterpoint would be where does that stop you know what do we start having it, body panels that are slightly different we already have transmissions that i mean they're the same transmission or transaxle that are geared differently but you know do where where do you draw that line as to what the, is too the, much the the problem is you can't have universal cars. No, you can't. In, in you form can't. of racing, you can't have universal cars. And that's just where it is. That's why the the biggest push right now, I mean, sure, this car has evened out the field, but it's also made it a lot harder to pass. You either start up front and you stay up front, or you know, you just have that one person that hits it like a Truex or like McDowell did, you know, where they can maneuver and come up through the field. Other than that, you're just kind of watching what you're watching. Yeah. And yeah back in the day that's what i think that's where people are trying to say that back in the day you could have comers and goers you could have people who were better with their tires people who you know and you had a lot of failures which 
today's technology, we don't have a lot of failures. No. So with, with not having a lot of failures, you got to have some sort of difference in the cars. And I mean, sure, the teams might massage only here and there, but they can't touch this car. So if you can't like, you know, change noses or, or you know, whatever, like if it's the same car, why can't we change it mechanically? And obviously arrow wise, cause you're going to have to change that for bigger tracks and stuff. There's engineers that are smart enough to know how to do this more than me. Mm -hmm. And it just, <laughs> it, it makes me wonder like, why do we sit here? And I get it. If we listen to the driver, sometimes you have to help them help themselves. But like, why can't we say, Hey, look, okay, you're right. We have so much grip on these short tracks and road courses. Why can't we put 900 horsepower and break them loose? Then you have mm -hmm. to have on and off throttle time. You can't, just mash it down and go because you're not going to be able to do that. Then you're having to change your gears. You might not be able to have all five gears, but if you do, you might not be able to, to downshift here and change it because you have to change gear ratios. Like, why why can't we? Obviously, someone smarter than me figure that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let's uh, so um, getting away from Watkins Glen, and and I agree. Like, we need to we need to add in a little bit more of a, an individual flavor to each track to try to make the best product we can at each one. I think that would, would be realistic is looking in at some of the races across the year and understanding like, Hey, maybe we try not to put as much emphasis as on the racing at this individual track, because I feel like if you have, if your Daytona is good, your Charlotte 600 is good. If you're, you know, Talladega, um, pick one or two of the road courses, Bristol night race, if you have this handful of tracks that are really, really good, you can make up for, you know, five or six races throughout the year that are not quite as good. Like if, if Kansas isn't as good of a race, but Daytona is awesome. Darlington's awesome. Your iconic places are really, really good. It kind of puts it in the wash that California wasn't the best race. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. California, like, but on the, the other side of that, if Daytona sucks, if Bristol sucks, but California is really good, it eh. So I think if you really focus on your big, big races, make Indy a really, really good race, focus on those. I think the other ones kind of get taken care of. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I just think we should be able to have we should be able to have kind of like a three car package. Yeah. Where it's not, I mean, because obviously the, the spending hasn't changed. These, yeah, you know, it's just, and I get maybe the manufacturers wanted to kind of dumb down the engine power or something, but it, it to me, it just doesn't make sense. You're going to hurt the racing. So if you're trying to keep, if you're going to be in NASCAR and you're trying to keep racing product, you got to keep it racing. I guess that's where the frustration lies. So keeping in the text, context of racing, um, going into Daytona, I thought this was the raciest super speedway race we've had all year. Uh, I mean, Atlanta is kind of its own little monster, but, but can I go on some sort of little rant here sure. for a second? I am by far like last night kind of ticked me off. You have NASCAR. The national series was not televised in this area. It was not on USA. Yep. It was not on NBC business. It was not on NBC. It was not on any of those channels. It was on Peacock. And, okay, I get it. You can have the streaming platform. But for people like me who don't have that streaming platform for Peacock, I could not watch any of it. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Ravens fan, but why are the Ravens on NBC on a Saturday night for a preseason game? 
there's plenty of local channels that could have been on that would have countered that. So I'm a little ticked off that this was a cutoff race for the playoffs and there was locations it was not nationally televised. And to me, that is a huge fail. It wasn't on USA, and I saw it in multiple places down in Florida. They also had the Tampa Bay Ravens game on NBC. So Mm -hmm. there's down in Florida where the race is. It's a huge, huge fail for a cutoff race to the playoffs to have it either strictly on a – like. Now I get some out of area locations got to see it on NBC, but this should have been a nationally televised race, whether it was on USA or it was on NBC. Whoever made the decision on this made a huge, huge fail. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially this race, it's a kind of a big race, but I know football is just a, a bigger market, but man, I, maybe this was a test for NBC. Hey, how does Peacock work? Um, Because, you know, a lot of these uh, big networks are trying to move to the streaming deal. But, yeah, it really sucks to to not be able to see the race because of that. I've been there when they went to NBC Sports and not had that and tried to figure out how to watch it and not be able to watch the race. So it's very uh, it's very frustrating. But that being said, so you didn't get to see any of that race last night, did you? No, I just got to see whenever you guys would say, oh, there's a huge wreck. I'd have to wait 15 minutes for NASCAR to post it. Yeah, so um, a lot of that race was, I felt like it was was good racing. It was good side-by-side racing, two wide, three wide, which, you know, in Talladega and even in the 500, I feel like there was a whole, whole lot of just single file um, where I thought that everyone would really, really wreck. We've kind of seen that from Talladega in the fall all the way up through to um to last night where it was just like there's a whole lot of just single file and ride and we did get sections of that but there was a whole lot of raciness throughout the night at least some point in the pack somebody was battling so it kind of did look a little old school to the credit of what junior said even when you had the first seven or eight guys in line there was a two by two tandem behind them just trying to race trying to make moves trying to get to the front uh so I was really impressed with the racing last night. Um, obviously, two really, really big hits. Uh, we'll start with uh, the Ryan Blaney hit. And uh, Ty Gibbs, <laughs> I feel like Ty Gibbs was about to really, really solidify himself in points over Bubba. Uh, he comes back to the line, finished the second. He was going to be in really, really good shape um, to, to steal that spot. Uh, but it didn't look like it took much of anything from uh, Christopher Bell I, I don't even know that he really touched Ty Gibbs and sent him down the wall, but man, that was a violent impact from the driver of the 12. He's taken a couple of those this year. Um, you know, where was it at? Uh, it was at Atlanta. I believe mm-hmm. that he took a, that violent hit to the inside. So he's, he's got a couple of really, really bad shots this year. No, where, where was that? The one right at the end of pit wall. Yeah. Pit road. Where yeah. was that? I can't remember where that was, but yeah, I do remember that one. I wanted to say Charlotte, one... but he won that one. No. Um, oh, where was that? It was at a track that... No, it was Nashville. It was... That's where it was. Nashville. It was Nashville. Yep. Is it? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he took that. He So he's now taking a couple, because that was right before we had to have these updates, and uh, mm-hmm. his front end was destroyed that time. But man, he. I don't think we've seen a hit 
into turn four like that since Dale. Like that was just a yeah. very, very violent turn. And, uh, you know, obviously the back wheels came off the ground and kind of lucky he didn't get turned up and over, but violent hit for the 12. Um, he was pretty shooken up. You could tell a uh, little concerned about him going into next week uh, because, you know, we've seen guys get these big hits. So a little concerned that we might end up hearing about a concussion later this week. So hopefully Ryan ends up being okay. Um, but I mean, obviously the safety in these cars has, has taken a step forward because that front end crumpled really, really, really big time. Uh, I don't think that that would have happened at, in the Daytona 500. I feel like that would have been a, a much more violent hit for Ryan. So luckily to see him get out of that car. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I saw this um, obviously on NASCAR's Facebook page afterwards. Mm -hmm. And um, at first it took a while for me to get a really good angle because it was an angle across the track. Um, so you only got to see part of it, but I did get to see um, kind of like the uh, broadcast version of it. And yep. yeah, you get to see the in-car with him and how much of uh, the impact that he took. And you do kind of wonder, you know, is, is a concussion, you know, gonna, is it going to linger? Um, we probably won't hear about it till later in the week because sometimes yeah. symptoms don't show up immediately, especially with the adrenaline rush. So um, hopefully he doesn't have one and hopefully the safety of these cars has gotten better since then. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that definitely was a scary impact. Yeah. Um, so that one was scary. Um, I feel like in that wreck, it was not, I don't even think they mentioned it. The 15 car also took a very violent hit on the inside. It, it was not as bad looking as the 12. I don't know the, the crash data from it, but if you watch that video again, the 15 comes down on the inside and absolutely tattoos the inside wall. So uh, take a look at that wreck again. And, uh, and just, I, I'm, I'm not sure who was in the 15 yesterday. Maybe it was JJ Yelly, but he took a massive shot to the inside. So um, something for NASCAR to keep an eye on is, is the big hits that that were taken last night then obviously ryan priest uh that was just that was incredible we haven't seen a car go upside down like that joey logano took air last spring at uh talladega but not like this this was uh pretty pretty remarkable i don't think i've seen a car flip that violently i i don't remember seeing a car flipping like that even the most recent i can think of is michael waltrip in 03 but it still wasn't that that was like a Davy Allison at Pocono. That was like a uh, Rusty that, that Wall was like a Talladega. Like yeah, like uh, Dale Earnhardt at Talladega in 2000. Or was it? No, not 2000. What no, year was that? That was, that was 96. Was it 96? I, yeah. Yeah, 2001. I, I was trying to figure out what year that was, but something like that barrel. I mean, that was just yeah. crazy. But even that, like the, the one that Dale had, he hit the wall and kind of turned over a few times. That that one was just, I mean, I counted one time from from a moment he took off the ground to that he came back down. I think he flipped four times is what I counted. And just in one time off the ground, that is absolutely insane. We don't see cars take off like that anymore. Um, just these cars are sucked to the ground. So uh, I think it's definitely something for NASCAR to look at. But uh, man, it was, <laughs> that was a scary wreck. Um, fortunately, I mean, he came down straight on the hood at one or on the roof one time, but flushed mm -hmm. to the roof. Um, it does kind of give a testament to how tough these cars are. 
Uh, and the crazier part about that, if you watch, it looks like the roof hat got blown. Roof hatch got blown out. So he kind of had, you know, if his hand goes up, I don't know if his, if his hand can go out the the roof hatch as he's flipping, but he was kind of exposed. So that might be something for NASCAR to look at because it, it, all it would have taken was this and his hand could have gotten smashed. So um, obviously got Ryan got transported to the hospital. I see he's been discharged and, and has made comments on Facebook about it and social media. So thankfully, it looks like he's going to be okay. I don't know anything about his status for next week. But uh, but man, just incredible wrecks last night. Thankfully, everybody was is at least doing mostly okay this morning. Um, any comments from you on, on that one, Jay? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't think NASCAR guys run this, but I know sprint car guys do. Um, mainly because Cub guys don't really, I think, have to worry about it or stock car guys. But... I think if we could revert back to the chili bowl, when I was talking about the um, kid who flipped out of the car, um, his hands came out and then his whole body ended up coming out actually, because his uh, seatbelts ended up failing. But uh, originally his arms came out and they have uh, like arm restraints that they connect to their Hans device. And I don't know if NASCAR drivers can run those with the seats or anything, but if they, you know, if they can run them, it's something to look into for just the reason you said, you know what I mean? Like if you're flipping that violently, if the hatch comes off or, you know, your window net, you know, God forbid comes down and your arm is exposed, would you be able to keep your arm in the window? And hopefully, you know, maybe they can look into the the arm restraints. It's to keep your arms down and in. So that way they don't come sticking straight up in the air, like you were talking about. So um, hopefully there's, like you said, NASCAR is going to look into that and see, you know, Hey, you can't, you know, and we can't, obviously it doesn't restrain their arms from driving or anything, but um, just something to look into. Yeah. So um, again, uh, everyone has at least uh, walked away from Daytona a couple really bad wrecks. Um, But other than that, it was fairly clean race other than these two pretty massive crashes. So um, I want to talk a little bit about Ford. Ford kind of stunk up this show. Obviously, the 14 and the 10 on the pole led a good chunk of stage one, um, then played strategy to get to the lead coming out of stage three. And this is really what uh, really sucks working with Stuart Haas this year. It's just been kind of the way things have gone for us. Stuart Haas racing, stage three, Chase Briscoe obviously leads a good chunk of the race. And I kind of want to break this down as to where this race got out of hand for Stuart Haas. Um, before the pit stops, you had the Ford group, which was Briscoe, uh, Amarola. Uh, they had went up the track. I know that they had said something about Eric losing the handling on the car. He went up the track to pick up Busher in that Ford camp. So it was the 14, the 10, uh, then Busher, Harvick, and Kozlowski, I believe, is is everyone, everyone in that Ford group. So they were all they they got up there to get everybody in a line. Um, Briscoe leads pretty much all of stage three until they come down to pit with about I think it was like thirteen to go, fourteen to go, somewhere in that range. And then this is well, I want to back up just a little bit where things really started to get lost with the Ford group was Ryan Priest was in this group as well in that in that Ford group. <clears throat> and as the inside line started forming up, I think Chase Elliott was the one leading that horn uh, to, to try to take over that Ford group. Ryan went down. Now, I'm not sure if he went down to pick up that bottom group 
to kind of defend for Ford because if Chase pushes him to the lead, you still have the 14 and the 41 now side by side for the lead. Um, and then Ryan can jump up in that Ford group and lead that. So I don't know if it was a defense for Ford or if it was an offense for Ryan, a little bit of both, but it was not well executed. Ryan goes to the back. That's where this, this really fell apart. Um, then we come to the pit stops. The 14 and the 10 did not have particularly great stops. The 14 got mired way back in there. Kevin had a fantastic stop, gets himself out in the lead. So we now, again, have led basically every lap in stage three. Kevin's leading. Um, And then I want to say it was uh, there was another part where Chase was trying to run through the field, Chase Elliott, and Eric got himself separated because he was on Kevin's bumper. Or no, it was the it was the 17 and the 6. Eric did not defend the 17 and the 6 correctly. He got separated from Kevin. And that's where we really, really lost everything. So now the 14 and the 41 are in the back. Kevin separated from Eric. Um, then we obviously have the wreck where Ryan gets turned over, takes out the 14 with him. Um, on the restart with two to go, Kevin's in the lead. And I feel like that was a good spot to be, but you have the sixteen and the seven, uh, the six and the seventeen up top. They're in tandem. Uh, Chase Elliott's behind Kevin, and he's got two of his teammates right on his bumper in the forty-eight and the twenty-four. Eric's up top, row three, so that Kevin and him can kind of kind of get hooked up if the opportunity presents itself. And it kind of does. They go back to green, and there was moments there where. Kevin could have gotten in. Eric could have like let him in just a little bit, or Kevin could have tried to fall back just a little bit, get the 10 to dive in front of him, push him to the lead. It looked to me like it was kind of kind of ended up being every man for himself at that point. I know Eric needed the win to get in, so maybe he needed to be a little bit more selfish, but our guys could not get hooked up and therefore could not mount a challenge on the six and the 17. And that's where we really kind of lost it. Obviously, Ford um, can chalk it up to a, a complete domination there in stage three. But I feel like this is another one of those instances with Stuart Haas Racing. We had one in the bag. We had all four drivers up there in the top, you know, top six. And we we kind of let one slip away. And it's very unfortunate. It was it was looking like our night and then just everything kind of fell apart. Yeah, unfortunately like i said i didn't get the chance to watch it so i I explained it to you (laughs) yeah i have no opinions on it except for i mean you know eric had to win so i'm sure he was trying to do what he had to do chase had to win so his teammates well him and bowman had to win so they would have probably tried to push there but you know kozlowski and and uh busher have been pretty dominant these past couple weeks they've been getting better and better so um and just not only has you know, have you guys struggled with speed this year? But when you do have the speed, it's just the execution hasn't been there. Yeah, execution whether, has been lacking. Yeah, whether something happens on pit road or you know something dumb happens or someone spins out and takes out the fastest Stuart Haas car, yeah, you know something like that. And Harvick late cautions and- have been our detriment right now. Late cautions have killed yeah. us. We could have won at least three races. You know, Chase Chase Elliott or Chase Briscoe really should have won Martinsville. Absolutely should have won Martinsville. Mm-hmm. And a late caution uh, blew that up for us. Uh, Kevin Harper should have won Phoenix. Late caution blew that up for us. And an, I, I don't know how this would have played out without a caution. Um, 
because Kevin and, and Eric were already separated with with five to go, and you had two teammates with the RFK cars, you had teammates with the the Hendrick cars. I, I don't know how it would have played out, um, but man, it's <laughs> just you just can't can't buy a win right now. So, um, but yeah, that was that was Daytona. I know you didn't get to to watch it, but I mean, compelling race, absolutely. Is it setting up the playoffs? Great, I think so. Um, so real quick going into Darlington, who's your first four out? We've got Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol. Who's your first four out of the playoffs? Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol? Yep. To be honest with you, I don't even know who the top the, the top 16 are right now. Well, um, I'll give you I'll but... give you my opinion. Um it's hard to it's hard for me to here's the thing. Basically, everyone from fifth all the way back, you could make an argument for that they really aren't going to be there um, because there's been a whole lot of year of other than, you know, Truex and Byron, you can't really count on a whole lot of guys and Hamlin. I'll give Hamlin a pass here. You can't go create a whole lot of justification here for some of these guys that, man, they're going to put it together for three races. It seems like a lot of them get hot for two and, and then not very good for at least one. Um, so it's really kind of depends on who's going to be hot for two and who's only going to be hot for one. So um, I think that it's, it's, it's hard to say Ricky Senhouse moves on. Two. Well, even though he's really so. good at two of these races, he's really good at two of these races. That's what I'm having a hard right. time. Cause I, I feel like he could, he could, Ricky Senhouse could go out there and have a really good um, Darlington. He's good at Bristol and Kansas. They put it together. He absolutely could. Michael McDowell's another one. He's good at Darlington. They have the ability to get it done, but I just, Historically speaking, they're going to be the first two that I would say would be out. And then it's like, take your pick. You could even see you could see Ross Chastain. I could see him going out. The way that Kyle Larson's luck's been going lately, I could see him going out. Kevin no. Harvick, it's Kevin Harvick. You could say now two of these races are really really good for Harvick. And if Kansas ends up being a place where Ford can put it together, Harvick could be strong. And round two, I think, is really where it's going to be a tough task. Um, but yeah, I've got the, the 47, the 34, and that's all I got. I really don't know. I, I don't, I don't know who else so, to pick. <laughs> so what'd you, what'd you say? Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol, right? Darlington, so, Kansas, Bristol. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to. I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I mean, not necessarily a loop, but I'm going to say Bubba's out just because of the execution with the pit crew. Um, you could also throw Tyler yeah. Reddick into that category. Yeah. Um, not that I, they I don't have the speed, but their execution has been lacking. So uh, Bubba's been doing better and better. And you can see that, you know, they put a point cushion, which ends up getting them in the playoffs. But I'm going to say Bubba slides out. Um I'm going to say Blaney is also out in the first round. Um, hasn't been very fast. And I'm also going to put in that category, Joey Logano. Um, normally Logano can make things happen. Um, mm -hmm. But where has Penske been? You just don't see them in the top yeah, five near races. So. Bad luck's been kind of following them around. So I, I'm, yeah, yeah, 23, 34, 47, and 12. I'll go with that. Yeah, so I'm going to go the 23, the 34, or the, I'm going to go 
23, the 12, the 22, and the 1. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I, I just just looking at it. I mean, just I'm just looking right now. I think Harvick's consistent enough to stay up and, and like go to the, at least the next round. Yeah. Stenhouse has been having a heck of a year. McDowell has been running pretty good as of late. Um, I think Tyler Reddick can pull it out where Bubba has been struggling, but I think Tyler Reddick can overcome that. Um, and I just don't see Kyle Larson falling out. I mean, again, it comes down to if one of these guys is in a wreck in any one of these races mm-hmm. or anything exactly. goes wrong, you, you're going to almost end up in a must win. So, um, but I mean, Bell hasn't been super strong, even though the Gibbs cars have been strong. Bell hasn't been great. So it's kind of a coin flip, but Chastain's been almost non-existent yes, since his exactly. Um Brad Kozlowski's only getting better. Harvick is Mr. Consistency. So like I, when I look at these guys point wise and how close they are, those yeah. are the ones I just don't think that are going to point their way into it. I think, uh, well, where are we going to first? Darlington. Darlington. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a couple surprises there with people that are running up in the top 10 that you might not suspect. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Darlington, uh, in, Jordan's been Jordan's kicking my I don't even know the score. I've kind of kept stopped keeping score here right now because Jordan's kicking my butt. He won with uh Myron in uh in Watkins Glen and the week before he picked. Now I could have argued this because you said Chase. You didn't say which one, but I kind of figured you meant Elliot. So yeah. even if you picked uh even if you picked Briscoe, you finished sixth and still beat me because Almondigger was actually uh, was wrecked. So. Actually, Actually, if you go back and listen to the podcast, you put a segment in and I put a dirt segment in after you. And I said, Chase. Oh, yeah, that's right. Segment. That's right. So that's right. Well, you, you couldn't but, argue but it. I, I didn't get a chance to listen to that one because I was in Alaska. I just <laughs> saw that you said you had posted it. So gotcha. You would you would text me, Chase. So, yeah, but fair enough. So, uh, yeah. So second and a first, that's hard to beat. <laughs> you know, and I was certainly I mean, I would have picked Michael McDowell. I've already picked him on road courses, but when I picked him, he had a really, really bad day. So I didn't pick him for Indy and who would have thought go figure. Um, so yeah, but I, I did get a second place finish yesterday with, uh, Brad Kozlowski. And I feel like Jordan just kind of was just like, eh, whatever. He picked Todd Gilliland. So <laughs> sure did. It's like, it was like, ah, whatever. We'll throw a dart on the wall. I thought it happens. was, I thought it was going to be one of those like wreck fest. Crazy yeah, it gets to, he gets places. through to the end. Yeah. And he gets through. You should pick the 78. Like, the 78 would have been a good pick. Yeah, probably wouldn't have won, but you know, you know. Yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah. So who in Darlington? Who is your pick to win that one? Resetting. Um, we can pick anybody. Yeah. So we're resetting. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to get the big name. Um, how many races is the playoffs? What? Ten. Ten. So are we only picking people one time now since it's only 10 races? We will well pick pick one time when it gets to the championship race, we pick one of the four. And it doesn't matter if you picked right. them already. Right. So hmm. I think I'm gonna go Denny Hamlin. Denny has been very, very consistent other than Daytona, and he did show a lot of speed. They just had a bad penalty. So um, 
I think that that's a good one, but I'm going to go with the other guy who's been very uh, mostly consistent and has shown a lot of speed here. Should have won the last two spring races. Um, and if it wasn't for Lego, he would have won them. So I'm going to go with William Byron. I think he's been the best Hendrick car for majority of the year. And I think that he's just going to bring it back to Darlington and, and win that race. Yeah, you had to do it, huh? I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> All right. So that'll be Racer Roo Radio for this week. And we will be back next week for, uh, you know, we'll probably just preempt uh, the uh, the playoffs again because we've already talked about Daytona. So um, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you again next week. We'll talk about Zanvoort, too, because that was a pretty entertaining race. So, Jordan, any yeah. final thoughts? Um, Just so you guys know, it was uh... – at a high school football game on Friday. And I think West York just got a record sent on them with the guy who ran all over them. I think he had 350 yards on four carries. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it was pretty unique, but, uh, no, uh, football starting back. So we're excited for that. So I'm sure we'll have some takes on the Ravens and the Orioles still in first place. There we go. All right. We'll talk, talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Later guys.